0: Let's just uh, prepare our hearts as Freddie comes to share this morning. Father, we just thank you for Freddie. Lord, we thank you for who he is and that you've placed him in this house. And Lord, what you've prepared in his heart and as he shares it this morning, may we just be open to receive it through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Yeah, I'm going to just be carrying on from what Adrian spoke about last week, um, which I, I would pronounce it, seller. how would you say it? Sailor? Sailor? Sailor, Sella, sailor, whatever. Um, But basically this idea of pausing and reflecting and listening to God. And I was talking to George yesterday about um, sort of church in the summer and the fact that sometimes feels a little bit like uh, there's fewer people here because people are on holiday. Um, But actually this is, it seems like an apt time for us to think about pausing and reflecting because if you work in schools or you've got children or Um, Family members who work in schools, it feels like the year sort of naturally comes to a a, a stop and a pause when it's the six weeks holiday. So it feels like an appropriate time to be talking about this. And what I'm going to talk about this morning is Psalm 46, which we've got on the screen, which Luke's going to put up. I'm reading from uh, NIV. I think the version on the screen is going to be KJV. Just, it's all the same. God's word's the same, you know. Um, But yeah, we're going to have each verse at a time, and then we're going to focus specifically on verse 10, which you'll all know when, it, when we get to that point. Uh, so it reads as follows. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted In the earth, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. So, it's verse 10 that we're going to be focusing on today. He says, Be still and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. Now, when we think of stillness and this idea of being still, um, it'd be interesting to see what people think about that because for me, it's uh, stopping what we're doing and being physically still. Um, when I was a child I I was very active you know I used to love running around and just generally getting into mischief and um, I remember a story of when I was probably only I don't know maybe two or three years old um, and I would occasionally go to church in Kegworth some of you might know it it's an Andrew's church in Kegworth it's on the, the bend as you're driving through and um, it's a big old church of England big uh, slate uh, stones that make up the aisle and and um, when I was a, a small child, I used to, we used to sit near the back, and um, I'd, this particular service, I think I'd been sort of running around near the back of church, probably making a little bit of noise, and um, one of the ladies in the church came up to my grandma at the end, and she said to my grandma, if, if you can't keep him still in the service, and he's going to be running around, maybe next time put him in his slippers, so he's not making quite as much noise. I don't know what shoes I was wearing. Some... Doc Martens or something um, and my grandma laughed and she said that's fine but his slippers play the Thomas a Tank Engine theme song so maybe not the best choice of footwear but yeah this idea of stillness is to me when I read that verse be still it's this idea of stopping physically and being still in front of God and as a world and as a, as a culture now we are we've lost that art of being still. You know, we're, we're so connected, more connected than we've ever been through technology and social media, but also just the movement of things, people, goods. You know, like, think about years ago, if you order something online, it would take like a week to get to you. And now we've got next day. You can order something like six o'clock in the evening, and it's there the following morning. Okay. Things happen so quick, and movement is so fast. Um, and I, I think that we have lost a bit of that art of being still. Um, one of my hobbies, one of the things that I enjoy doing is walking, which some people might think, God, that sounds really boring, but I love walking and the reason why I love it, I love it for many different reasons, um, but one of the reasons why I love walking is because you, you naturally take things at a slower pace. If you drive somewhere or if you, anyone who's been to the Peak District, if you go through the Peak District by car or on train, you see the Peak District, but you see it quickly. You miss a lot of those fine details that are there because you're travelling at such speed. When we slow down and when we stop, we start to see things a little bit more detailed. And that's where we want to try and focus this message this morning is this idea of being still so that we can focus. So the verse that we read, well, we read the whole psalm, but the verse that we're focusing on, verse 10, it's quite a popular verse. We see it all the time, don't we? And If you go into like a Christian gift shop or something, you'll see it on... Uh, Gift cards and uh, little posters, be still and know that i 'm god it 's a bit of a, a bit of a catchphrase almost of of scripture, but when we actually look a little bit more deeply into what it means, it, it opens up a lot more so we 're going to have a little bit of a lesson in Hebrew this morning, which i 'm sure you 're all very excited about, but I, I by no means i 'm an expert in Hebrew, just so you know I, a lot of googling went into this <laughs> um, so this word still in Hebrew, it's translated from uh, the Hebrew word rafa, which some of us might have heard of. If you read in the Old Testament, uh, God sometimes referred to in different phrases. So you'll hear like Jehovah Nissi or Jehovah Shalom. Um, but one of them is Jehovah rafa, which means God the healer. But in this sense, this word rafa, it actually means to be weak or to lessen something or to surrender. So what this, what this phrase is saying is, surrender yourselves, or weaken yourselves, lessen yourselves. So this word, be still, it doesn't mean just to physically stop and be physically still. It means to surrender ourselves, to weaken ourselves before God. Paul quotes Jesus in uh, the second letter to the Corinthians. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. When Dave was sharing earlier in his testimony, and he was saying about how when we feel weak and when uh, something might happen to us physically, like we might have a physical illness or something, or it might be that we're struggling with something, mental health or anything where we feel weak, Jesus says, my power is made perfect in weakness. And when we see Jesus in his life, Everyone thought that Jesus was going to come as this, you know, uh, saviour riding on a horse and just being super strong. And actually we saw Jesus come as a humble servant. And he he went to the cross and his power was made perfect in weakness. I love football, for anyone who knows me, massive football fan. I used to play a lot of football when I was younger Um, and I used to play in defence. So anyone who who knows about football, I was a right back or a centre back, used to play in defence. And one of the exercises we were doing in training would be we would have maybe four or five of us defenders, and then we'd have like five or six attackers. So we'd we'd intentionally be outnumbered as defenders against the attackers. And the idea was that we intentionally weakened ourselves to try and work on those things that we wanted to work on. And actually we found that when we did this, that we as defenders performed better. We, we were more focused on what we were trying to do, we communicated better as a team. We had a, a better objective and goal that we were focusing on. And it's the same with God. When, when we weaken ourselves before God or when we're in a position of weakness, and anyone in here who, who can, uh, you know, I can speak from this on, on my own uh, testimony, but other people, when you're in a place of weakness, you find that your focus on God becomes so much more clear. God becomes so much clearer in your life. Your communication with God becomes clearer. Your, your prayer life becomes more fervent because you realise that you've got, you've got nothing to bring, you're weak, there's nothing that you can offer and so you rely upon God so much more and that's what Jesus means, that his power is made perfect in weakness and Jesus says in, um, he says in the Gospel of Luke that the, the healthy don't need a doctor, it's the sick and in the same way Jesus didn't, call, he didn't come to call the righteous, he came to call sinners and you know, when we when we walk through church in the morning, how many of us walk through here thinking, "I need to be on top of my game. I need to be, you know, um, feeling at my best, living my best life, not having any problems. You know, being really friendly and chatty to everyone." But the truth is, sometimes we walk into church and we think, oh, "I really don't feel up to it today. I feel rock bottom. I feel like I'm 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 not where I need to be. I'm not where I want to be." And that's what Jesus says is what he wants almost. He doesn't want us to put up on this facade of saying, yeah, yeah, everything's going great for me. He wants us to say, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm struggling. I feel like I need you, God. I need you in my life. I need you to do a work. Me and Georgie, a lot of you will know that me and Georgie are going through the adoption process. And I'm, I'm glad to say we're coming towards the end. <laughs> it's been a very long process. Um, but one of the things I wanted to just pick out was that there's, there's a lot of waiting in the adoption process. Anyone who, who knows anyone who's adopted or has, has adopted themselves will know there's a lot of waiting. And when we look back on uh, the, these times of waiting, there's been so many times where we've been waiting for a letter or an email or an appointment date, anything. There's, there's been so many things that we've been waiting for. And when, when we've been praying for these things, our prayers have often started as, God, Just get us this appointment, get us this letter, get us this email. Come on, we need it now. We don't want to wait. And then as as our, our, our prayers have changed and our thought process has changed and God started to reveal things to us, and our prayers become, God, we surrender this whole situation to you because we don't know what we're doing and we don't know how it's going to pan out, but we just surrender to you and say, have your will. And every single time that that's happened, the following day, we've received the letter or the email or the appointment. And that idea that when we surrender our will to God, when we surrender our lives to him, everything in our lives, Andy was saying earlier about uh, proclaiming the powerful name of Jesus over everything in our life, and it's true. When we surrender our life, when we say, God, have your will over my work, have your will over my family, over my finances, over my health, over my leisure time, everything, when we surrender, that's when God does his work at his finest. The more that I read the the Bible, especially the Gospels, um, the more I just love the character of John the Baptist. He's such an awesome guy. And one of the the phrases that he says in the Gospel of John, um, he says that basically, we must decrease so that he may increase. He must be greater and we must be less. And it's so easy as Christians to feel... Oh, we're doing a great thing. Oh, I'm doing amazing at reading my Bible. You know, I'm I'm in control of my life. I feel like I'm I'm working things out. And actually, we need to decrease so that He may increase. And that brings me to the second part of the of the verse. Um, do you mind just flash up the verse again, Luke? Is that all right? So the second part of the verse, another bit of Hebrew. So be still says, surrender yourself, lessen yourself. And know that I am God. This word know, the Hebrew translation for this word, some of you may already know this, is yada. Yada. And this word yada, it means, it means to have a deep understanding of something. Or to have a, a, a deep knowledge. Of, it's not just a surface level knowledge like, oh I know that the sky is blue. It's a deep understanding of something. Or in other words, it means to have an intimate relationship knowledge of something. So God commands in this verse, be still, surrender your life to me, lessen yourself. And the, the reason for this is so that we can have a deep yeah. and intimate knowledge of who God is. It's not just lessen yourself so that um, good things might happen to you. It's surrender yourself so that you can have a deep knowledge of who I am. Yeah. And this word yada, it's... Uh, it talks about relationship knowledge. And so you'll, you'll see it. It's, it's used a lot in the Bible. But one of the examples is in Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. It says, and Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. Adam knew Eve. He's talking about the union of, of man and woman. It's a relationship thing. And what God's saying is he invites us in this verse into this covenant relationship with him. He says, surrender your life to me, and then you'll know me, and you can be in this relationship with me. And you know, the amazing thing about the relationship with God is, relationships between people tend to be uh, give and take, don't they? We often say, if, if, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. If I come down to the men's thing tomorrow night, I'll get a pulled pork cob. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a give and take thing. This covenant relationship with God is, God does all the legwork. God's done all the hard work for us, and all we have to do is say, Lord, I just surrender myself to you. Dave said earlier, what year was it, Dave, that you were at uh, the Derby Stadium? 1962? And Dave said, he surrendered his life to God. And God's done everything else for Dave. And it's the same for us today that this, this God that we serve, this God who, we, who says, Be still and know that I am God, isn't a God who, when we surrender, in front of him and bow before his throne, condemns us or puts us down or, or tells us of the things that we've done wrong. He's a God who, when we surrender and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm not quite sure where I'm going. I feel like I'm making mistakes. I feel like I'm letting people down. I feel like I'm, I'm guilty and I'm, I'm full of shame. When we do that, he says, don't worry. I've done all of this for you in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Came to earth as as a, a humble baby and he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he went to the cross for us. That was why he went. It wasn't because he looked around him and thought, Wow, these guys are doing awesome. Maybe I should give a little bit back to them. He looked around and he said, Wow, they need me. They need me. Because on their own they can't do it. They need a savior. And Jesus went to the cross and you know when he went to the cross and bore the sin and the shame and the guilt of the world on his shoulders he freed us from all sin, he freed us from all captivity of sin, of guilt of shame and now we can stand before God and say you've done it all for me and it's incredible and in in the book of of 1 John um, right towards the end of our Bibles it says that In chapter four, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son for us as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And this God who we serve, he brings about joy and peace and grace and mercy, compassion, forgiveness, eternal life, these are all of the things that being in a covenant relationship with God brings. And what he says to us is in the, this verse is just, just surrender yourself. Surrender yourself to me and you receive all of these abundant blessings that come with knowing me. It's truly incredible. There's, a lot of you will know Augustine, um, the Christian thinker and philosopher. He, he said that God wants to give us something, but he can't because our hands are full. There's nowhere for him to put it. And I think today, if, if you find yourself in that position where you feel like you've filled up your life with stuff and things, material objects it might be, it might be money or it might be your desire to, to work up the ladder in work or you're putting uh, things before family or whatever it might be. If you've filled your hands with things, what God's saying in this verse is, let go, let go of all of those things. And know that I'm God. It might be that you've filled your hands with self-doubt and um, a lack of self-worth and you're, you're feeling shameful and guilty and you don't like who you are. What God's saying here in this verse is, let go of all of those things. Let go of all those things that hold you back and just trust in me. Know that I'm God because I have died for your sin. If I am right to invite the band up, um, just to finish off. And my final message really is is that, is when we read this verse on the screen, be still and know that I'm God, what he's saying, this psalmist is saying is, surrender yourselves before God so that you can enter into this covenant relationship with the God who loves you. And the result of that is not so that you know we can... Suddenly, have amazing things in our lives, or that you know we're suddenly going to become really prosperous. The result of that is it says, "I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth." When we enter into this covenant relationship with God, and when we we see that God's done all the legwork for us and He's poured out His unconditional grace in our life, we can't help but want to sing His name. We can't help but want to sing His praises and shout His name from the tops of the roofs and I want to say this morning, church, that if that's you this morning where you're, if you don't know Jesus and you've come this morning not quite knowing what to expect, then my call to you is surrender to him because he loves you and he wants to, to know you more and more. If you've been a Christian for years and years and years, it's so easy, isn't it, just to, to continue going through life thinking, yeah, yeah, well, I've already done all that bit. I've already done all that surrender bit. That's where you first become a Christian. God tells us in this verse, surrender, keep doing it. Because it's so easy to just think, I've done all that, I've done that already, I've already surrendered my life to God, I'm, I'm on a, a new path now, I'm on a new season. What God's saying is, no, keep surrendering your life to me. We should become less so that he
0: may become more. Amen. Oh, the guys are evidently tuning up. <laughs> can, we, can we stand together? And thank you, Freddie, for sharing that. And it's easy to rush away from that message, a message like that, and think, oh, that's a great message. Thanks, Freddie. And we we'll kind of rush into the next thing. And we've got an opportunity before the kids are, are back into the service and before we have our coffees and drinks afterwards. We've got this opportunity just to still our hearts. And maybe surrender again to, to God. And Freddie, would you, would you, would you just pray over us, mate? Good, Lord. We, we thank you that actually... <laughs> it's quite
1: funny, isn't it, that in that time where we speak about being still, that we had an opportunity just to stand and, and be quiet. And Lord, we, we pray this morning that that you continue to shape our hearts and change our hearts and we might come here this morning feeling like we've got everything together, feeling like we're in control of our lives and um, we know exactly what we're doing. We might be the opposite. We might be coming here this morning feeling like we've not got it together at all and that we we don't know what we're doing and that we we need God more than we've ever needed him before. And Lord, I pray this morning that wherever we're at this morning, wherever our hearts are at, that we just lay them down before you, that we surrender our, our lives to you, our wills we put behind us and we we pray for your will to be done in our lives Lord Jesus and we pray that we can really try and adopt the attitude of of being less so that you may become more and that as we as we call together in worship and as we as we come together to sing of your name that that our focus isn't on ourselves or what we look like or how good a singer we are or anything like that Lord but that we just focus our, our minds on you and our hearts on you are a God of compassion and grace, who loves to pour out His mercy on us. Amen.
0: It was my cross you bore, so I could.